Thank you guys for having me and for allowing me to be down here today. As Jake said, my name is Dwayne Pinckney, and I'm a staff member at Trinity Reformed Church, Bloomington. Um, and I really enjoy my work there. I love the, the things that God allows me to do there. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a ruling elder at Trinity as well, and I'm also the head of school at Cedars Christian School, which is a really exciting and fun job. If you don't know much about Cedars, I encourage you to go online and look, up, look at the website. It's a, it's a really exciting and fun school. We do a lot of stuff outdoors. I, we spend most of our time outdoors, <laughs> and it's exciting. Uh, and it's, it's fun to see how kids learn in a nice natural environment. We have these wooded areas that are just cleared out and the classroom's outside and I teach the kids to butcher rabbits and I know you mothers are going, what's wrong with this man? But we do all of this stuff and they cook it over the fires and we do math and all the traditional stuff, but we have more fun doing it. And so I did make a move from LCA to this, but largely because I really believe in the way we do education at Cedars Christian School and how enjoyable it is for the kids. They light up every single day. And so I'm happy to be with you, with you guys here today and to, and to share God's word with you. And I'm also thankful to have my wife here. Where is she? She probably just walked out. My wife, Emily, and my five kids are here. Um, they give me great encouragement, great, great encouragement. Uh, as Jake said, I grew up in a fatherless home, um, and it was tumultuous. My mom, she's like the rock of Gibraltar. I ain't no joke. Man, She's amazing. I recall a day when she, was, she had three sons. I have a twin brother and I have a younger brother. And she, we were all taller than her by the age of 12. And she had a phrase, which some of you may have heard this before, I brought you into this world, I will take you out. <laughs> that was her phrase to me because when, we, when we crossed her. She also had this time when we, we made her so mad that she, she wanted to spank us, <laughs> but she knew we were bigger. And so she picked up a two by four and she goes, I will beat you. <laughs> And she started laughing because she couldn't get the two-by-four off the ground. <laughs> She's a very slight, trim lady. She's sweet, but she wanted us to grow in our love for the Lord. And so I'm thankful for that. I look back in my life, and I, I am thankful the way God has brought me through the things he brought me through. My kids are going to have five kids, but as Jake said, I also love the fatherless. Love, love, love the fatherless. And we'll, we'll talk about that more later as well. Um, but I also just love being a father figure to other people's kids, to speak into their lives and to encourage them and to exhort fathers to greater holiness in different areas. And indeed, being a father is a wonderful gift and a weighty one. It's a weighty responsibility. And we all have fathers. In fact, we have many fathers. And today we're going to hear from God through his servant Solomon to help us understand how we are to live with our fathers and learn from our fathers, and be a father. And so before we open God's word, would you please pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for this day that you have made. And we ask, Father, that you would help us to rejoice in it and be glad in it. Thank you, Lord, for being the best father that we could ever hope for or ask for. I ask you, Father, to help us to be attentive to our fathers here on earth, not only our biological fathers, but our fathers in the faith, our shepherds, and all those who watch over our souls. I also ask Dear Lord, that you would see, that we would see the examples that you give us in your word about our need to be a father to the fatherless. We have much to learn from your word today, Lord, and we pray that you would illumine our minds and help us to engage in the hard work. Lord, there are many here that have neglected their relationships with their fathers for various reasons, and I pray 
that you, Father, would bind up that which, that, that which is broken and mend it, Lord. Be with us now as I pray, that you would bless the words of my mouth and guide every thought here. You are our hope and our redeemer, and we put our trust in you alone. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please turn, to me, turn with me to Proverbs 4. We're going to read the entire chapter. And thank you, Ben, for letting me know that you guys read the ESV, because it would have been an NASB had we not, and you would have been going, what is he reading? But I do have it in ESV, so please turn with me there if you have your Bibles. Listen carefully to the way, the, the enthusiasm, the passion, the, the gusto with which this man talks to his sons, all right? Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was born, when I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not, or do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let her go. Guard her, she, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. When I heard that our friend Jason preached on this as well, one of the things I mentioned to Jake in the back was, that is amazing that we hadn't talked to you. I see see Jason every Tuesday. And we hadn't talked about any of this. And my thought immediately was, was, whatever it is, God needs you to hear something from this passage of Scripture particularly for your church at this time. And so I'm thankful that God put it in my heart to bring this to you. 
I don't know whether there's a huge fatherless community here in Evansville. I don't know if there's struggles amongst families here with your children. I don't know. But man, am I thankful. You hear the intensity with which King Solomon entreats his sons. And so let's jump in. Loving our fathers, loving our fathers. Raise your hand if you're a father. If every man older than 18 here does not raise his hand, even if you're childless, you should be. You have to think of yourself as a father, even if you don't have kids, all right? Because God has called you to be a father to the fatherless. If he's given you kids and blessed you with kids, think of yourself as a father. We all have fathers, and our relationships with our fathers vary. Some of our fathers have been excellent, though they have their faults and failures. And some of our fathers have been abysmal, abysmal failures. Some of our fathers have gone on before us, and we long for their guidance and wisdom. Yet there is one truth that we have to start with. God is the best father we could ever ask for. The best father. And it is he who has given us this excellent example of the care of a father for his children. Here Solomon is intense with his love for his sons. He does not want his children to go the way of death. He is crying out for their attention. You hear the intensity, reminding them that this, that he is here for them, that he entreats them. He wants them to grow. He wants them not to stumble. You hear it all the way through the passage, reminding them that his father, David, taught him these things, and he wants them to be cautioned against falling into the pit and path of hell. We who are the children of God should, in the same manner, teach our children the same, th- the same ways. Think carefully. King David, father of Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, listened to every single thing his father said and penned it, wrote it down. He didn't forget it. He listened carefully. David, you know about David. He sinned greatly. He had lots of sins. Yet he, he taught his son. He was intense about teaching this particular son too. You know, King David had some pretty abysmal sons. You just think about them, some awful sons. But think about Solomon and the way he comes to you and he goes, son, hear, O sons, the father's instructions and be attentive that you may gain insight. We all have fathers who have taught us one thing or the other about living in life and how we should grow and what we should do and what we shouldn't do. How many of us have held on to, if you're, if you're older and you're out of the house now, have held on to the things your, your father has cautioned you against? How many of you have listened and obeyed those things and held on to them? How many of you regret not listening to your father at times and made some really stupid decisions? <laughs> because you just wouldn't listen, because you wanted to be stubborn and foolish, right? When I was a son with my father, tender, and the only, the only one in the sight of my mother, they were focused. He's saying, my mother and father were laser-focused on me. Now, <laughs> David had a lot of concubines. Solomon had women drive him away from God, right? Yet, God used these men. David and his wife focused on Solomon to teach him, to push him in the right direction. And he said, Solomon says, all of my kids, my sons, hold on to my words. Now, just to be clear, when he says sons, daughters, stick yourselves in here too, okay? (laughs) Just don't forget that. It's not male specific here. 
He's talking to everybody. He wants you to keep his commandments and live. What, he, what father here or what father of yours does not want your children to live and to live prosperous lives, godly lives, growing and moving in the right direction? We all want that for our children. And a good father wants to caution their kids against the dangers and the snares of life. And that is a father's responsibility to train up a child in the way that he should go so that when he is old, he will not depart from it. And there may be some of you here whose kids have departed and you're just praying that they return to the faith. It's hard. I I was dealing with um, a father last night and I won't give any specificity here, but I was dealing with a father last night whose, whose child said, I'm not a Christian, is walking away from the faith, and is into dabbling with drugs, and is likely doing some other things as well. And he's fearful. What is he afraid of? What is he afraid of? No. He's just afraid of losing his daughter. Not her dying necessarily. He's afraid of losing her. And so he wants to be easy with her. He doesn't want to say God's no to her. (laughs) No, you can't do this. And so my responsibility at that moment was to say to him, you have to say no to her. (laughs) You have to love God more than you love your daughter. Now, how scary is that to hear? Yet God gives us this example. You must hate mother and father for the sake of me. That's a hard one for me to hear because family is everything, right? Family is everything. Yet I told him, you have to say no. You can't do what you're going to do to keep the relationship with your daughter that you want because you will lose her even more so. Your no is the best protection you can give her. That's what I said to him. Fathers here, we want to guard and protect our kids. So intense were the words and example of King David to Solomon that he took delight in just writing them all down for us, that we would learn them well, that we would not forsake them, and how quickly we dismiss dismiss our father's words and forget them, how quickly we do it. Young men, hang on to every word that your father says. Young women, Hang on to the words your father says to you and don't depart from them. If they're good and godly words, hang on to them. Those that would learn well and be taught well in religion must not boast of newfound notions of fancy phrases or anything like that and look on contempt at the knowledge of those who came before them. You can't do that. The way we raise our children, the way we care for our kids, we must do this with each other. In the church of Christ, in God's church, we do this together. You can't be so precious with your children as not to be able to hear from this person over here that little Johnny over here is becoming twice the son of hell because you won't discipline them. You have to have yourself open when you're dealing with your family. Hold those things lightly. Let others speak into the light to your kids' lives. It is so vitally important but yet we get, we get protective. The second somebody comes at us, we want to put up our guard and say, well, you can't touch my family. You can't do that. <laughs> Why can't you? It is God who's given you that family. And if you think you're perfect, you're the only person that, that kid, your kids need, you have something else coming to you because they need far more than you. And in the household of faith, 
They need the pastors and the elders and the youth group leaders and the worship leader, and they need everybody, those things, all of these people surrounding them to help them. They absolutely need it. And so as you hear this, learn from past examples, from past failures, from, from people who did not do that. You see examples of failures in, the, in Scripture here. David and Absalom. Do you think he did that one right? I think he messed that one up, right? Jonathan and Saul. Yet, and, and think about this, Jonathan and Saul. Saul was the king. Jonathan was the heir apparent, except not. <laughs> he knew David was going to be king. And Jonathan protected David from his own father. You can't do that to that man. He is my best friend. <laughs> in, in scripture, it says this. It says, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. They were inseparable. And this was pitting a father and a son against each other, which was wild, right? You think that shouldn't happen. No, it shouldn't. But Saul had set himself against, because of his pride and his arrogance, had set himself against the Lord's anointed. He was destined for failure. He should have learned. <laughs> he should have listened. No, don't do that. God is going to win here. We should look back and go, no, 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 no. We need, I need the church to care for me and help for me and help, and help with my kids. Raising kids is a risky business, is a very risky business. Because the very fact that we can turn them into twice the sons of hell if we're not careful. We want them to grow into strong individuals who have strong minds, who love God's word. And so that's just some of the ways in which we must heed the warnings from early fathers and those who have gone before us here. Some of you here are old enough to be my father, probably, maybe. Yet, the same holds true. You're still fathers. You still have the responsibility of paying attention to these kids here and giving some small advices to parents here and there. Don't be proud. <laughs> Don't be proud. Let down your guard and let people speak into your life. And so now let's consider the multiplicity of fathers that we have in the faith, those who set good examples for us, right? So we talked briefly just about you as fathers, if you're a father, what your responsibility is. Now let's jump based on this, on this passage, what God has to tell us about church fathers. Many years ago when I arrived in Bloomington, I came here broken, and I came to Bloomington broken and fatherless and didn't know which way was right. Like, literally, it was like the world, my world was rocked. Things were so wild and crazy. I, I was a heck of a bassoon player. How many of you know what the bassoon is? Yes, I figured most of you wouldn't have a clue, but that's all right. Here, here's a little culture. <laughs> it looks like a, a big... Uh, baseball bat. <laughs> I'm trying to think, what do they know? It looks like a big baseball bat with a whole lot of keys on it. It's a double reed instrument and comes out this way and it loops down and it comes back up and 33 keys on it with, for 10 fingers. And it's a fun instrument. I came here with an on track to be the best bassoon player in the world. I was going to be the best. I was already the best in my mind. Um, and I had just finished my, mas or my master's at Cleveland Institute of Music, like one of the world's premier schools of music. And it was, it was great. I loved it. And I came here, and I was going to work on my PhD. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. And, and I came, and I had all this brokenness. I didn't have a, 
a, a, bio, a dad growing up in the home. I didn't really know him until I was 17 years old, yet I had a man, his name is Rick Lauterbach, who I called father growing up, who was incredibly helpful to me. And I, he stuck with me, and he taught me, and it was good. But then I came here, and I got into the church. I only went to one church there in Bloomington, and I didn't go anywhere else. It was the first church I went to and the only church I went to, because I didn't need anything. Um, the, I walked into the church, one of the first people I talked to in the church was Jake Mensel, and I was standing there talking to him in the entryway, and he's standing there squaring up with me, and I'm sitting there, whatever, you know, right? And he's talking, it's, it's, it's all good. And then all of a sudden, this kid comes up to me and grabs my leg, and I'm going, that kid was Peter Mensel. <laughs> and Jake goes, he thinks he's grabbing my leg. And I was like, he looks up and his look of terror on his face, and I'm like, oh, but how sweet an introduction to the church. Now, Jake was already at the church, working in the church, doing good work, and he was a father to me. He was a pastor there. He was working hard. He was doing good work. He brought, he brought me into that church and taught me what it meant to have fathers care for you. It was incredible. I'd never experienced anything like that in my life, and I've been in church my entire life and never seen anything like it. It was sweet. I got pounded on and pounded on and pounded on and beat up and kicked and pushed and told I was an idiot and told I was ugly and it was like all stuff. And I'm like, I need this, I need this, I need this. And it was good. They loved me intensely. Every pastor there poured a ton of time into me because I was a lost sheep. I was straying all over the place. And they knew it was important to, have, to go after that one. And they did it with vigor. Wisdom comes to us in many ways. And God reminds us that if we ask for it, he is faithful to give it to us. He'll give it to us without reservation. James, book of James says that. And those who keep watch over your souls are your fathers. Again, some of you may be here may be old enough to be my father and certainly Jake's father because I'm 10 days older than him, right? Yet, he is God's anointed. He's God's ordained minister for this church. <laughs> and I can't tell you how vitally important it is that as you think about him and the people that work with him, Ben Salser and Nate Alberson, how important it is that you look at them and go, our father's here. Our Father's here. As you guys get closer to particularization over time, and you bring on elders, you think, fathers, I need these people. I don't care if they're younger than you. God has given them some measure of wisdom, great wisdom, that they can impart greater knowledge and understanding of God's word to you. It doesn't mean you're, you're, they don't respect you. It just means we look at them and go, this is the man God chose to put in front of me, to teach me, to guide me to a greater understanding of his word. Listen to this again. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is what? Get wisdom, right? What better place to get some wisdom than sitting in church, loving God's word, hearing it, sitting under it, being disciplined by it, being pushed by it, being made to think hard thoughts. Why don't I agree with God's word? I don't know. About, why don't I agree with it here? I need to ask the pastor about this one. 
That's why he gives us pastors and elders to teach us, to push us, to improve us. That's what we're here for. What better place to be taught wisdom than in the church? And a place with faithful pastors who care about your soul and know the character of the men that are around you, who understand them, who are attuned to that. Jake is a gifted teacher. He's a horrible basketball player, but he's a gifted teacher. Ben Salser. Goodness gracious, you have men, men here with minds that amaze me. And I'm not tooting their horns, but I'm telling you, they are your fathers in the faith at this time. A father does this kind of thing for his children. He teaches them and encourages them and exhorts them in the right direction. A father's job is to help his children grow in wisdom. So love them here. Ask them for advice. Bring to them problems you have in your family and let them teach you. Let them speak into your lives. That's hard because we are so proud, because we want our own way. The older your kids get, the harder it gets too, because as I'm noticing with the youth group, I'm also the assistant um, youth group leader, and so I deal with senior high a lot. And so I get the joy, I, the, the joy of dealing with kids and their fathers, working to bring and bind their hearts together again, because as all of you know, if you're older than 18 and you've lived through some of the harder years of your life, we get to the combative points with our fathers as we grow up because what we want, what we do is, look, when you're born, you're right here. And as you, go, as you get older, you grow closer or further and further apart until it's that jump-off point and it's time to let you go. But those last four years, had I had a father in the home, I imagine he would have wanted to punch me in the face most of the time. That's how awful I was in different times. But we are constantly required to go back and be reunited and binding our father without bind and, and lockstep with our fathers. Now I'm saying this knowing that my father wasn't in the house, right? One of the most important things that I learned when I moved to Bloomington, and this may seem obvious, is that I had to forgive my father, my biological father, for abandoning me, abandoning my brothers and I. What I haven't told you is that when he, he did one of the most awful things to me, imaginable. My mom and dad got a divorce when I was two years old. And he called the house one day and said, Phyllis, my mom's name, Phyllis, give me my two children, Wayne and Philip, and you can keep that dumb child, D-Wayne. Now, I heard this when I was two or three, and it stuck with me the rest of my life. And it changed everything about my life because a kid hears that, and all of a sudden, I have no value, I have no worth, I'm just a dumb child. And so everything from that point on, and it wasn't until I had somebody say, dude, forgive your dad, he's a sinner, he was a drug addict, he's an alcoholic, he was a womanizer, he's an adulteress, walk him back to, walk him to faith. That's a hard thing to do. Yet to this, now this day, I can talk to my dad. My family has gone and done a two-day vacation with him. God has brought our hearts back together. Is he a believer? I don't know, but I am thankful that I have someone of a relationship with them now because now it gives me the opportunity to keep saying, Dad, are you going to church? Have you put your faith in Christ? I want him to come to faith. I had to forgive him. Those are the hard things that pastors help you with. 
because I would have gone through the rest of my life just hanging on to that one, just being bitter and angry. I listened and I heard the exhortations from the pastors around me saying, you can't, you can't hold this forever. It's, God's word doesn't want you to do that. Forgive those who've wronged you. He's wronged you. Yeah, some, 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 real, some real things you guys have to work through. And he loves me. He loves my family. And I love him. So listen to your fathers here, the pastors that you have. Heed their words. Love them. Honor them. Respect them. And the final and main point I want to talk about is something that is extremely, extremely dear to my heart. Um, having grown up in a home without a father, and then having a man who was as lily white as most of you, he was the best thing that God provided me when I was a kid. He was so helpful. And he pushed me in the right ways. And what it did to me, what it put in my brain is, Dwayne, God's word says, be a father to the fatherless. Pure and undefiled religion is this, in the sight of our God, to visit orphans and widows in their distress, right? That's one passage. How about this? Learn to do right, seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow, right? There's all the multiple places in God's word where it tells us to care for the fatherless, to take care of them, to be near to them, to build them up, to strengthen them. And I, I, the way I grew up, one of the things that I was dead set on is when I, when I was able to, I wanted to be a father to the fatherless. I wanted to care for them. I wanted to be there for them. And God provided that in Bloomington, which, was in, which has been an incredibly sweet, sweet thing for me. Before I got married, I was doing it. And after I got married, my wife and I have continued to care for fatherless kids. In which way, you may ask, we've have, we had one young man live in our house from the time he was in sixth grade until he graduated. He just graduated, and now he's at college. And he lived with us. And it was a sweet blessing. Not always easy. Lots of fights that I had with him. Lots of punching in the gut. Lots of wrestling, which was fun. And all these things. But to this day, he calls me dad. And I'm telling you, there's nothing more enjoyable, nothing more... Uh, rewarding than to see a young man grow, maintain godly character, walk into college, calling me often, asking for advice. Hey, I'm being confronted with this. How do I deal with this? All of those things. Imagine him having not had the opportunity to have somebody to speak into his life. He wouldn't have been the same. I dealt with his brother too. His brother's now in prison. There was another young man who I continued to love and treat as my own son, who's now in the military down in Kentucky, just south of here. It's my goal to get him to come to church here. He's a, he's a sweet kid, sweet young man. He's an adult now, but I want him to come back to church, and I want to get him here. I might send some of you his number, and you can just all call him every now and then. Just say, why aren't you at church? <laughs> he may come up at some point. But God gave me this desire, this, this awareness of what his word says to be a father to the fatherless, to fill the void for, for some of these kids. Solomon calls to his sons, those he loves, because he wants them to have the knowledge that he has. He wants them to be guarded from sin and evil. How much more should we want to impart that same desire, give that same knowledge to those who we see and love? The kids who in your communities that you know don't have a dad at home the lady, the, the young women in your home who don't have a dad at home, 
you should be wanting to say, okay, can I, can I talk to them a little bit? Can I spend a little time with them? Can they come over for dinner? Would that be a help to you? One of those things, something like that. It is so vital. The void will be filled by these kids, by something, drugs, alcohol, sex, unless you give them something else to fill that void with. Be ready to fill it with God's word. Be ready to fill it with uh, time with them, with the growing rate of divorce in our country and the difficulty um, in families, I'm positive you have a very large fatherless community here. You should be going after them. You should be noticing them. Those that you do know, and I'm confident that you know some, you should be trying to share God's word with them often. One of the things that I've created a habit of in our church, uh, in the church in Bloomington, is um, calling the kids, the boys' sons, and the girls' daughters, my sons. I actually look at them and say, hey, son, come here. This is a very old-fashioned thing to do, right? Something that used to happen all the time. I understand it more now because I love these kids, right? And the fathers hear me say it, and they say, can I, and, I, and I do it in their presence, one, because I want them to understand, hey, while I know that you're kids, you, we need each other. And so I say, hey, son, come here. And I talk to them as if they're my own. Little lady, come here. I want to talk to you. Terms of endearment with all those people around you. Jake has a whole bunch of kids. I see a bunch of other kids here, too. Treat them as your own, right? Care for them. Impart wisdom and knowledge to them. I don't know how all this will work in your community, but it's such a sweet privilege to be able to care for the fatherless. But there's so much work wrapped up in this. You have work to do with your own fathers, repenting of past sins and failures with your kids, whatever it may be. You, you work on it and you fix it. And you don't, let, you don't waste time with that. The other part, learning to love the fathers you have in your church those who lead and, and protect you and keep watch over your souls. It's so vital that you learn to, you sit under the preaching of the word. You let it encourage you and build you and strengthen you. And finally, that you just keep your eyes open for those who are truly fatherless in your community. It's today, isn't it? It's yesterday. It's today. Last night, this time last year, you guys know this young lady. I got a call from Sam Spady saying I need help. This is the middle of the night. This is as Cynthia's dad was dying. And I rushed to their house and did whatever. I, I, I sat with their, with their kids. And I was the first one there, and just, I just went over to the house and, and took care of them. I called Jake and made sure Jake was working with Cynthia down here. We lost a church father that day, and it hit everybody really hard. You lost a brother yet you continually see how people love him. And every day I think, I think over and over again, I want to be a father like that. I remember the ways he taught me. I remember the ways, the things he said to me. It's big shoes to, to try to fill, and I can't. <laughs> I just learn from him. I just learn how I have to be better. I look at his kids now, and without fail, Jed, Abe, son, come here. They're in my school. 
and I encourage them and I push them. There are so many ways in which we have such a huge responsibility and a weight to bear the burdens of others, especially with respect to fatherlessness. Now, they have a father who's, who's in heaven, <laughs> yet they have a long road now. And it's my responsibility, and I take it on as my responsibility to be a father to them, and as much as I'm able to. And some of that is simply saying, I love you, I know it's hard today. Can we talk? Think about all of those places in your life where you should be doing this for others. Don't waste time by saying, well, I don't, I don't really have a relationship. Build one, <laughs> build a relationship. Don't be fearful. What you don't realize is kids who are fatherless just want somebody to give a darn about them. They just want somebody to go to them and say something. <laughs> don't be so rigid and say, well, I just have my family here. We all, we all make sacrifices. I have five young kids from seven down to however old the baby is. I don't remember. Um, got it. <laughs> but I still take time. I take time. It's, it's a sacrifice that my wife and I make, and she knows it's good work. And if an emergency comes up, something comes up. She looks at me and she goes, I know, you got to go. Go love them and take care of them. Yet I guard my time, some of my time with my family too, because I don't want my kids to grow up having not had my, their dad there, because I'm always pouring my time into other people. But what better way to love people than by dealing with them and, and, and coming to them in the biggest places that they hurt. So do this work in your communities. Find those places where it needs to be done. Don't waste time. You want to see your church grow and thrive as it, as it has been, but even more? Find those places where you can be a father to the fatherless. You may win those mothers, or you may win those fathers, or you may win those daughters, or whatever it is. You may bring them to Christ by loving them because they don't think anybody loves them. And it's tough work. So, that's my encouragement to you. Read God's word. Read Proverbs. Ask God to help you understand what it means to be a son, to be a father, to be a daughter, to do it well. Would you pray with me?